just a man that sips from a cup. Always trust the man that dreams from the river. And I know you're trying to speak, but you're just being bitter. Silence is better. It's roaring like thunder. Getting late, you've got your hand in time. You're not blind, but closing your eyes, and it's easy to ignore when the beast starts to call. Stuck in his cave, and blowing smoke at the wall. listen to ink studs and my guest this week is tyler crook uh tyler's been uh working away on his ongoing series uh with is it called colin brun colin bun bun sorry colin like a a little bunny there we go uh harrow county uh which is up to issue seven as we speak uh issue seven just came out a couple of days ago uh, from Dark Horse as well. Uh, the trade paperback clicked in the first four issues will be out uh, December 2nd. So that'll be fairly soon. Um, as well as some of Tyler's other works include uh, Bad Blood, uh, I guess, which is what you worked on before this latest thing, as well as uh, some issues of Sixth Gun, um, the Petrograd graphic novel as well as, last but not least, uh, a stint on BPRD. Um, thank you, yeah, Tyler. Yeah, I did a, I did a Witchfinder series somewhere in there, too. 
That was another Mignolaverse thing. Oh, man. Look at me. I failed. Blew it, dude. Interview over. Hang up. Throw the mic down. (laughs) Um... Well, it's not your your uh, your 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 own work. Maybe that's why. It I don't. Know. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks, Tyler, for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I was a little surprised when you asked me because, like, because um, I, I you, usually you talk to um, cartoonists who do their own writing and stuff, and I haven't done much writing. Yeah, but you do interesting work. Which I'm I'm oh. really into, um, and like <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, no, like I I like what you do, um, and I mean that in the most honest, sincere way. Um, as well as I like the progression of where you've gone with your work. I remember uh, when Petrograd came out, and I was like, this is pretty pretty good. Who is this guy? Um, and, and really really enjoyed it, and it's been really interesting to see just like how much you've jumped and that came out like what seven years ago six years ago uh 2011 so not even four years ago yeah just four years ago jesus man god it feels like a lifetime though doesn't it like it does because like i read everything (laughs) but Witchfinder in the last uh 24 hours um (laughs) and i was thinking like because the like obviously visually you put a lot of work into it, so I was thinking like that takes over a, a longer period of time. Um, but to hear that was four years, that's that's pretty great. Yeah. Um. So was Petrograd like your first big comic thing, or what had you done before that? Um, that was the first comic that I ever finished. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Like, um, before that, I was doing video games. So, um, oh, okay. So I would, um, I was doing video games and doing 3D modeling and, like, character rigging and um, all sorts of different that. And then I would get super pissed off at my job and be like, I've got to quit, and I would go home. And I would work on comics, like, in the evenings for about six weeks. And then I'd be like, this is too fucking hard. I'll just keep doing video games. And then... Uh, yeah, so that was like, so I spent like, ugh. well, I guess I started trying to get into comics like before I even started in video games, and then I did video games for 12 years, and then, um... So that like really sharpened up your technical skills, so when you started yeah. in comics, you were, you were already sprinting. Yeah, I was doing a lot of, well, I don't know, it's like a different, it's a way different skill set, doing the, doing... Video games was definitely a lot more technical, mm-hmm. but it definitely, but it also like helped me build sort of the work ethic stuff of being able to sit and make art for way too many hours in a row. Yeah, so that works well for you now that you're doing a full time monthly. You're yeah. able to focus on it really well. Yeah. So you said you tried doing some comics before the video game life took over what kind of stuff were you looking at at that point like did you go to school for video game design or anything or yeah i went to school i went to california college for one semester and then uh and then i just didn't have any money 
to go. I had the, I had kind of this idea. Like, I didn't even have the money to go for one semester. I just took out, you know, all loans. And I went, and I was like, well, once I'm in the system, you know, the school will want to keep me in. And they didn't give a fuck. I was, like, <laughs> calling up everyone, all my professors, and being like, how can I come back? How can I come back? And um, and I actually, like, right after that first semester, I, I got a job at a graphic design place. And um, we were doing, like, pre-press and uh, just designing. Like, I was designing Yellow Pages ads there. And um, And I called up one of my professors, and I was like, I really got to come back to school. How can I do this? And he's like, well, what are you doing now? And I was like, oh, I'm working in a graphic design place and I'm designing Yellow Pages ads. And he's like, don't come back. Because <laughs> like, when you graduate, that's exactly what you're going to be doing right after you graduate. So you're ahead of the game. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend who went through something like that. Like when he finished animation school, he couldn't find a job in animation. So he just ended up working like in a copy place. For quite a while, <laughs> uh, but now he's like, I think he's directing a show now. I was just like waiting for like that one opportunity to be like, but still, it's like it's quite difficult afterwards. Yeah, yeah, man, I cannot, um, I cannot. Just I don't have you. You've seen the the documentary, um, the Cartoon College. Man, that was like the most depressing movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, really? Well, not the most depressing. <laughs> Probably more depressing. But it, it was really depressing because it was like, like that. It didn't. I didn't ever get the impression that they taught a thing that was like a marketable skill at the end of the day. It's like they definitely taught you a great academic understanding of comics and making comics and stuff, but. Um, but yeah, it's a totally different thing to make. It's it's a kind of yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I'm kind of of two minds about that when it comes to like academically teaching uh, an art form. Like I've seen people complain that like SVA doesn't teach you how to do your resume well enough, and all these other things. But I'm also like, there's that balance of are you going to learn an art form or are you going to learn graphic design? Um, the kind of two different things to me yeah yeah and like i mean there's certain like a definite reality of like you're not gonna be making money doing comics most likely especially when you're looking when you're more doing the type of work that's coming out of um the school in vermont the ccs um they're not really gearing people where say like scad in georgia or sva in new york are more geared towards getting you into that capability or those networks yeah i don't know i'll probably get a mean email from someone at ccs yeah (laughs) i feel a little bit dirty talking about it but it's like but it is like you know there's so much pressure on on artists to be successful and then you go to school hoping to learn that and they sort of teach you you know, lots of times what they teach you is how to make art, but they don't teach you how to be successful, whatever, you know, whatever successful means. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, like, I definitely don't feel, well, I, and I even have mixed feelings about my one semester at, at art school, because it's like, I learned more in that, you know, 15 weeks or whatever it was than 
than I ever learned in that short amount of time. But it was, um, but that that fifteen weeks took me like six years to pay off. Yeah. And I I don't know if it was really worth it. If I had if I had really if I had my wits about me, I probably would have um, just started teaching myself stuff, and uh, and gotten you know could have gotten a similar education just teaching myself. I don't know. You kind of you kind of did in a way though, like by going and working in in video games for so long. Yeah. Yeah, video games was kind of interesting because I managed to, like, talk myself into most of those jobs. Like, my first video game job, I learned how to use, like, 3D Studio Max, Mm -hmm. uh, the 3D modeling stuff, software, um, just on my own about six weeks before I applied. So I was just, like, I went and bought a book and, like, you know, downloaded a torrent of the software and then... (laughs) Made a few models, and then I got a job, um, you know, at a at a super small little you know game studio that actually they went out of business like um, God, like six months after I started there. Oh Jesus! Yeah, <laughs> but that was enough. Like, was, yeah, but then but then I knew enough. Like all the guys that I was working with, you know, went to other studios, and then when there was a opening, and actually, you know, it's funny. Like in between, I got a job at. Um, this online auction website. This was like 90, 98, I guess. Oh, wow, yeah. Early internet days. Yeah, early internet days. And so it was this auction site that was going to try to compete with eBay. And um, and I worked there for a couple months, and then you know some of my video game friends called me up and were like, hey, do you want to come work over here um, and make video games again? And I was like, yeah. So I quit internet job, and all the all the guys I worked with at the internet place were shaking their head at me, going, "You know, we're gonna go public in a couple months, and you are gonna miss out on all that money." <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, like that place folded like within just months after I left. There's a you remember the Simpsons episode where. Uh... Bart does the video game or the the cartoon with the Homer. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, that's based on a real thing where the guy who wrote that episode co did a cartoon with Pete Bag. Where they did a cartoon about the Brian Wilson's dad. Really? And, yeah, and so they did this cartoon, and then the website offered them either cash or um, stock options, and. Uh, <laughs> Pete Bag went for the cash, and the other guy went for the stock options. And the stock options ended up being, as you can imagine, in early internet days, pretty worthless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that stuff was so, like... Uh, man, like it was funny being in the middle of it, because there were people who were super into, like, okay, the... We're gonna get stock, and then we're all gonna be billionaires, and then, and then it just never happened. There's a lot of ego and money, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, so much money, and just lots of people that think they're hot shit. And... Yeah, yeah. So let's talk. Anyway, about, let's talk about com- your comics. 
<laughs> and so I'm curious, like, what kind of stuff you were into at that point? Um, were you still into comics as you were going off into the, the internet land of video games? or? Yeah, like, I really, um, like, I was getting super into, like, Paul Pope stuff. And, um, uh, man, here's where I blank on every single name. Like, Chris Ware was, was really big for me for a while. Um, I got super into um, Sophie Campbell's Wet Moon. Mm-hmm. I love that series. And then, what else? Yeah, there was a lot of um, a lot of independent sort of black and white stuff that I really liked. Um, yeah, not, you know, not a lot of superhero stuff. Um, Hellboy was always something I read a lot, and BPRD I read a lot. Did you, was your style, drawing style at that point, similar to what came out later? Oh, no, I was doing, like, um, this Rapidograph ink style. It oh. was, like, it was terrible. Like, kind of a deadline, but, like, little dashy, shady things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I keep, I have, like, I have, actually, I lied when I said Petrograd was the first thing I ever finished. I did a, another story that was, like, a 32-page story. That I keep thinking I should put it online just so people can, can, whatever, see how much how much better I am now because it's really bad. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was like, you know, I got into um, I got into that, uh, Sin City thing with like stark silhouettes. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, like I was, you know, I was like everybody else. I would do that thing where I um would see someone else do something really exciting and then try really hard to draw like that for, you know, a couple months and then sort of find something else that was super exciting. I'll always remember the Rob Liefeld issue of Shadowhawk that he did Sin City style. Did he really? Yep. He did full-on Sin City style. Was it like um, an intentional homage or was it like, Liefeld going, I'm going to draw like this now. This is my style now. I don't want to speculate. <laughs> I I think it's a little bit homage. I think it's a little bit also like zip, bang, boom. Look at what I can do. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's it's Liefeld. You, you can never really figure out what's going on there sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah. Your your interview with him actually changed my thinking about him because I was like I didn't really quite realize how much he was just trying to be fun. Yeah, he, Brandon has a really good description of him. It's like he's like a uh, just hanging out with a sports fan who his sports is comics, <laughs> and it totally is. Like here's a guy who like comics is his basketball. And he's like, you know, he wants to heckle the basketball players he doesn't like and uh, cheer on the ones he does. And uh, at the end of the day, he wants his team to win. Yeah, but he captured like, like, I feel like, like Kirby captured like sort of this childlike exuberance of like energy and excitement about weird things. And, um, and Liefeld captures that, um like a 17-year-old's sense of that same thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, all that sort of 
sex and violence is, but not but not approached in a in a especially deep way. Yeah, which well, sounds like a knock, but it's not. Like it it it's actually fun and, and interesting. I think. Well, I'm always curious, like what would have happened to Liefeld if he didn't like strike it rich within his first dozen issues of comics. Like, yeah. What what would have you know? Because like. As much as like Kirby was pumping the shit out, he wasn't making bank. Like, you know, he went and worked in animation for quite a while in the seventies, yeah, eighties. Like, that's not a guy who could have retired off his work. But Liefeld, he doesn't have to work a day in his life now because he gets Deadpool and cable royalties, and he's set. Yeah, man. I was telling, I was telling somebody just today, I think that. Um... I feel like everyone who works in comics, it should be like required that you have a whole nother career before you start working in comics. Yeah. Do you find that how that affect like or how does that affect your way that you work in comics then? I think I like I it affects me a lot, I think. For one thing, like I was making a good living before I got into comics. So there's so much of what I do that I like. And it it sounds it doesn't sound especially cool to talk about, I guess, but I like really think a lot about like, okay, how am I going to make a living at this and and how can I do this so that I can get the most impact out of it and, you know, mm-hmm. and help my career forward as much as I can and all that kind of jazz. Is that the, um, why you jumped on BPRD so early on? Well, BPRD was like, um, like I had finished Petrograd, and I was like, or I was getting close to finishing it, and I was just like, you know, I, I don't know um, where to go from here. And I was sort of imagining scenarios where I was just making, you know, stayed working at video games and tried another graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, the BPRD thing came out of the blue, and it was like the first offer I'd gotten that was like a, a good enough page rate that I could actually quit my job. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like um, I don't know anyone who makes who makes video games knows like comic book money doesn't really compare, you nope. know, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like it was it was a it was a thing where I was just so burnt out on video games that I was willing to take a, a pretty significant pay cut. But, it, you know, it involved stuff like selling our house in San Diego and uh, moving to Oregon, where it's... At least it was cheaper <laughs> before we moved here. Is that uh, when you moved onto the coast? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, three years ago now. And that was awesome. Yeah. Living on the Oregon coast. Anyone, if you get a chance to do it, I recommend it. Thank you and Mike Elrod. Is he on the coast? He used to. He was... He's in Eugene, but he used to have a place on the coast, uh, so okay. he would go back and forth lots. And apparently, it was a pretty amazing place. I've heard. We were invited yeah, before no. he sold it. That was like that was pretty magical. Cause we moved there, and it was like beautiful woods and the ocean right there, and it was super cheap. I was just making comics, but um, after a little while, you sort of like you realize how 
<laughs> how far you are from everybody else that you want to talk to. Mm-hmm. Did you move there specifically because of the proximity to Portland, though? Because, like, Oni's there and Dark Horse is there? Yeah, well, that was one of the things. But um, my family's up here, too. Oh, okay. That's, we wanted to be closer to them. They're getting a little bit older. Mm-hmm. And I uh, wanted to get close to them. So they... um. Yeah, and it was it was just larger, largely because it was cheaper. Because we were in San Diego, which is not a not a cheap city. No, and it's yeah. hot. Oh my god! You know that's one of the things that kept us there was we were like, oh, how can we leave this this perfect weather that's Southern California? And now that I'm in Oregon, I'm like, oh, man, fuck that Southern California weather. <laughs> it's rad up here. Like, I get to wear a coat. Yeah, and like I've never like I grew up in Southern California, so like the the feeling of uh, spring when it like finally the sun comes out and everything's starting to turn green again. Like I'd never felt that before. And like my first spring here, I was just like, I feel wonderful. How is this? Why do I feel so good? And it was just like the seasons changing are for fun. They're yeah. cool. Life has its ups and downs. Where with yeah. I guess in San Diego it was just a a flat, a flat line maybe I don't know. Yeah, no, like, um, that sounded like terrible. In, there's two seasons in San Diego. There's like summer, and then you get about two weeks of fall in in February. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, okay, I want to go back to Petrograd. Okay. Um, before we get too much into weather, uh, <laughs> so when you took that on. Um, were you doing that as kind of an after-hours project, or did you kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this big, giant book, and I haven't done comics really that much before, and hold my that breath? Was, that was, um, it was after-hours. It was like weekends and, and evenings, and it was, um, yeah, I got in a, a sweet job um, where... Um, the, I was working on the video game I was working on like I wasn't no one depended on me for anything so like nobody bothered like it was a part of the game that if I broke it it wouldn't break the whole rest of the game it would just break my little piece so um so no like nobody cared and it was like super low pressure mm-hmm. and it allowed me to sort of like go home every night and work for a couple hours drawing comics and not ever get super burned out so how long did you work on Petrograd for? Because it's, what, 270 pages? Yeah, it was about two and a half years. Oh, wow. A long time. And um, being that you hadn't done so many comics, do you have challenges kind of staying stylistically consistent? I worried about that a lot, but I don't think it... I don't think I had a problem with that. I had a moment like... When, just before I started Petrograd, like, well, like a a year or two before I started Petrograd, where I was, like, in a meeting, and I was doodling in my little notebook, and I was sort of, like, it sort of clicked for me that, like, the way I doodle should be the way I try to draw everything, Mm -hmm. that that was, like, you know, like, every artist struggles with that thing with, um, like, what's your style? Yeah. And, um... And I was like, oh, that's my style. It's like when I'm at rest, the way I draw, like that's, that's actually me 
so then I started sort of really intentionally trying to pull that out as as how I worked. Because before that, like every time I like when I was doing when I had to do like some like concept designs or something for video games, I would always sort of just ape whatever style I needed to at the time, and uh, but it always looked like like crap because it was never anything that sort of had any juju behind it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So um, you felt really comfortable with that. Yeah, as soon as I started doing the Petrograd stuff, I was I felt really um I really fell into a groove with it that I think kept it kept it stylistically similar. You know, and I can tell the difference between the beginning of the book and the end of the book. But um but I don't know if many other people can. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of like you kind of move through it so smoothly. And they feel like different parts too, like especially the beginning. The story changes so much. Yeah, as it gets going. Maybe we should tell folks what the book is about. Oh yeah, Petrograd is the story of. Um, well, it's about. Uh, it's a spy story set around the assassination of Rasputin, the Mad Monk, mm-hmm. in the early nineteen teens, and um, well, I think it was nineteen sixteen. Yeah. And uh, so you know, a big money maker. Everyone <laughs> wants. <them. laughs> it's historical fiction set in in Russia. But it it was um. It was like rad. Like I really like a lot of Russian literature stuff, so I was like kind of excited about it. Not that Russian literature really came had a part in it, but <laughs> five <laughs> but million different characters. Say that again? <laughs> like five million different characters and takes place over a hundred years. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, we did a thing that was based on, there's sort of a theory that um, the British uh, orchestrated the assassination of Rasputin mm-hmm. because it was World War I and it was a, the, was it the Austrian Empire was fighting a, a war on two fronts? The Austrians and the Germans. Yeah, okay. So they were fighting the British on one side and the Russians on the other side. And Britain was scared that if Russia pulled out of the war, then the Germans and the Austrians could turn on them. And they thought that Rasputin was the guy um, arguing to pull Russia out of the war at the time. Mm-hmm. So the theory is that they, they uh, orchestrated the assassination to prevent that from happening. Because there was a there's a British guy who was there for the assassination who um, may have been a spy. So that was that was what we made up a story around that. Yeah. Well, at least I should say Phil made up a story around that. Phil Gillette is the is the writer for that. <laughs> um, he speculated upon the conditions. Which yes. I, I love the the idea that um, he's really just more interested in getting his freak on. At that point, Rasputin. Yeah. Yeah, that guy was wild. So wild. Like, doing, just researching stuff about him before the thing. Because, like, there was some other instance years before this where somebody tried to kill him. And they actually stabbed him in the belly. And he, like, gathered up his guts and, like, walked a couple miles back into town and was like, I'm Rasputin and I got stabbed. But I've, I walked into town. I'm okay. Yeah. What's up, dog? 
Well, there wasn't he also, he was poisoned, but he had been poisoning himself in minor amounts, so he wasn't as... Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, I think I'd heard that somewhere, where he'd been taking arsenic in low dosages, so he could create a developer resistance to it. I heard a theory, too, that his, um... Because they, they put the poison in, uh, like, some bread and baked it, yeah. or, like, some cupcakes or something... And the baking process, I guess, would evaporate off most of the poison mm. also. That would make sense. Yeah. It seemed like they, judging by your story, that they didn't really quite know exactly what they were doing. <laughs> no, no. In fact, one of the things when we were working on it that we kept talking about, or at least I kept talking about, was how Petrograd reminded me of, or how the, the actual assassination attempt reminded me of like uh the big lebowski where it was just like <laughs> like uh oh man i can't remember anybody's name from that there's um, the dude and then there's the other people yeah so the other people like who's the the guy with the sunglasses oh, God, I can't. it's been so long all i remember is the uh the nihilist the guy from roseanne oh ta- um Oh God! Well, I was about to say Tom Arnold. Sorry, uh, <laughs> Hartman. No, no, John Goodman. John Goodman. Jesus, I'm so bad at names. Like, like John Goodman's character was, as, you know, organizing the assassination. Like, was kind of the feeling that it was just super amateur and super dumb. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, from there. Um, you said you got approached to do BPRD, and you were, if I remember right, you were kind of announced as, like, the guy to take over for Guy Davis at that point? Yeah. And that was, like, um, so I had met Mike Mignola at the Long Beach Comic Con, um, about a year before that, when I was in the middle of drawing Petrograd. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had a bunch of Petrograd pages, and, you know, I showed it to Mike, and I was like, you know, if you ever need anyone to draw a comic for you, I draw. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> hey, buddy! Hey, hey, Mike Mignola! It was... Yeah, man, that was like... That was a good day, because... That was like, I had my little portfolio with me, with my pages and stuff. And, uh, I go up to his, his table, and I'm like, would you mind looking at my work? And he sort of rolled his eyes and was like, oh, whatever, dude. Let me see. And so I put him down, and he was like, oh, oh, that's kind of nice. And started making little noises like that. And I was just like fucking over the moon. <laughs> little sweat drops jumping out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so then, you know, I just kept sort of following up with him on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, when Guy Davis left BPRD, they called me up and were like, do it. And, you know, that was, that's, that's another, like, weird thing. Like, I was doing, like, contract work, doing video games. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten, a, like, a, an offer for a full-time job. And, uh, you know, signed my acceptance letter and, and emailed it in. And it was literally, like, two hours later that... Um, the guys from Dark Horse call, and they're like, hey, Tyler, do you want to draw BPRD from now on? <laughs> I was like, 
Oh, hold on. I got to make an email first. <laughs> got to oh. backpedal on some things, but yes. Yes, I do. How many issues of EPRD do you end up doing? Oh, man, that's a good question. A bunch. A bunch. Like, maybe maybe 20? Oh, well. More than 20? I did a bunch, because they had, they had just switched over, um, or right after I started working on it, they decided to go monthly. I think before that, they were just doing, like, mini-series, where they'd do five issues, mm-hmm. and then break for however long they needed to put out the next five issues. Yeah. So then, uh, as soon as I started, they, they started it monthly. And, and then even, they had to start bringing on tons of other artists to get them out. Was it pretty tough to be able to keep up? with the monthly schedule on that there were times yeah because it was like i um like i didn't i don't think i was quite ready for that kind of a job yet Mm -hmm. like i feel like that um that was one of those gigs that i took because i couldn't say no but i i I definitely wasn't ready for it (laughs) so yeah there was definitely some times when it was really hard I think, yeah, like, I would love to, like, get the opportunity to know what I know now and take on a job like that again, you know? Would you have kind of just taken on arcs instead? No, but I, like, I think I could probably do a a monthly book now. Well, you're doing a monthly book right now. Well, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not doing it monthly. Oh, okay. (laughs) It takes me about six weeks to do an issue of Harrow County right now. Oh, okay. And Which it, is, I think, pretty fast. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, because it's fully painted, uh, where with the BPRD stuff, it was just, I'm presuming, just inked. Pencils. Yeah, it was just line art. Yeah. And then Dave Stewart was coloring me on those. And you, for Petrograd, you're doing ink wash. Yeah. Yeah. Well, technically watercolor. Okay. But yeah, I did the the second color wash. And that was kind of an 11th hour thing, too. We were, like, sort of, I was in the final end of the book and was, like, we were going through some book design stuff, trying to get the cover settled. And I sort of floated the idea of doing a, a second color. And um, and they approved that right at the end. So I had to go back go back through the whole thing and, and do, the, do the sort of red tones for that book. Was that a shit ton of work? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything in comics is a shit ton of work, man. No, not podcasting. <laughs> yeah, I need to start. Uh, yeah, it pays great. <laughs> I can imagine. I'm, I'm rolling in the uh, comp compies, dog. <laughs> um. Now you, when you left VPRD, was it you wanted to kind of focus on more of your own stuff, or? Um, that was that. Um, they stopped asking me to do VPRD. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. They. Um, I think what happened was they got, and I never, I've never really asked them too much about it, just because, I guess, because I'm kind of scared of what they'll tell me, but. Um, but I think they started, you know, they started getting all those different. Well, you know, like James Heron was doing BPRDs, mm-hmm. 
And, like, when I saw the James Heron pages, actually, it was funny. I joked to my editor, I'm like, that after seeing those pages that I thought they were going to fire me. And then, <laughs> lo and behold, <laughs> a couple <of> <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I think they were just... I think they were just getting other guys that sort of suited, were better suited for what was happening in the storyline. Because, you know, it was like all epic, um, you know, end of the world, army guys, tons of army guys fighting giant battles. And that's sort of like not, not really my forte, I don't think. Like, I'm a lot better, I think, at sort of quiet stuff. Mm. A lot more like human level things. Yeah, your other stuff, you don't really draw any army guys except for a little bit in Petrograd where it's needed. Yeah, yeah. But even those, it's like, it's super, like, it's really focusing on just like, oh, here's some individual people, you know, like, it's at a, it's looking at war at a, on a human scale instead of at a sort of an epic scale. And they needed, for BPRD, they definitely needed people who could do, do really big yeah, in fact, it's funny, like, I was talking to Arcudi a while ago, and he was, like, saying that, um, the, like, the last issue of BPRD I did was a, was a one-shot called, um, The Grind. I think it was one, number 124, and it's sort of, like, a story about, um, a guy who works in a coffee shop, and, uh, the end of the world is going on, and mm-hmm. it's sort of about him trying to get to work, and... Um, get like the weird um, fungus monster that's eating his neighbor taken care of but like nobody wants to listen like none of the police are interested in his yeah. tiny little problem and um, and that was like the I think that was the first BPRD issue I ever felt comfortable with yeah and uh, and also my last one <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think the 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 titles may be a little apropos too yeah, yeah, no, that was a great title. Um, so you're after that you worked on Bad Blood. Is that where you started doing um, the painted work in the comics? Were yeah, you it yourself. Yeah, and that was because, um, like, my editor was like, you know, where do you want to do this book? And I'm like, yeah, it sounds good. And he was like, well, we want you to color it. And I was like, well, I cannot sit in front of Photoshop. Is it okay if I do this? watercolor thing and they said yeah so I I got to do it and I was like I was really scared about that I didn't know if I could actually do that in the amount of time required you know to make to make the deadlines but um had you done much watercolor before that point no I did a lot for like um just like in my sketchbook Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that and like if I needed to color like if I was doing like a concept sketch or something, and I needed to color it, I would I would lots of times do it with watercolor, just because it was fast and easy. Mm-hmm. And then doing it for like the interiors of the books ended up working out really good. It's a lot. Um, like I can color a page with watercolor way faster than I can in Photoshop. And that's funny when you go from doing video game artwork and three D modeling. And stuff like that, too. Like, yeah. being as analog as possible. It's funny when I think about it, too, because it's like, I used to be able to sit in front of Photoshop and, like, well, I could sit in front of a computer for 16 hours and, like, get my shit done and, and not hurt that bad. 
But nowadays, like, when I try it, I'm just, like, like, all my energy just goes straight out the door, and I, I can't focus, and, like, my least favorite part of making comics is scanning everything. It's got to be easier on your eyes, too, not to be on the computer so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, and those, oh my god, my poor eyeballs. <laughs> they're, they're going quick. So is Bad Blood just something you got assigned from an editor? Um, yeah, yeah, more or less. It was like, um, it was sort of one of those gigs that was was available when I needed it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was fun. It was, and it was really cool to like be able to try to do this watercolor thing because it, it was pretty, I feel like it was pretty risky for like a paying gig to be like, Oh yeah, I want to try this thing and I might totally blow it. And it <laughs> might end up being terrible, but I'll take your money and do it. Was that the same editor you have now with, with Harrow County or? Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Shaban. And so you had a lot of faith in you. That would be a question for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you let you paint or watercolor, yeah. so. Yeah, he let me do it. So that really, like, yeah. kind of was like a bit of a trying out new style book that kind of led way into doing Harold County then. Yeah, yeah. And it was also, like, um, it was my first, um, like a paying gig that, well, no, I had done some six gun stuff for Oni. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like my first big project that was um, not BPRD. Um, so that was like, so I'd been doing BPRD for two, two or two and a half years. And then um, switching over to something else was like, was really kind of weird. It's yeah. like, uh, it sort of felt like, oh, there's a whole nother world out here. <laughs> <laughs> Not everything is, is BPRD. I don't have to draw giant monsters destroying everything all day. <laughs> yeah. There's virtually no rubble in this comic at all. And so Colin Bunn that you do Harrow County with, you worked with on Sixth Gun yeah. before. Yeah. Did you work really closely at all with him on Six Guns? Because that was early in your career, right? Or yeah, that, that was like I did. It was it was funny. Like the summer of 2011, um, I did. I finished Petrograd. I did Six Gun, and I started on BPRD. And I think that those actually all came out that summer in the opposite order. Like. BPRD came out first, and then Sixth Gun, and then Petrograd finally came out. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So they, um... So I didn't work super close with Cullen on Sixth Gun. Um, you know, they would sort of just send me the script, and I would and I would start working on it. Mm-hmm. But I like working with Cullen a lot. His writing is really... Um, I think his writing is, like, deceptive. Yeah, I was I was really because I hadn't actually read any Six Gun stuff. Brandon mm-hmm. told me to read it, and I'm like, oh, I'll get around to it. <laughs> um, and so I, I read your stuff, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's neat to see just how it's. I worry sometimes when I see some Oni stuff, 
There's like kind of an Oni style. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's not like that. I hope I'm not being too mean saying that. <laughs> to certain yeah, folks. I just think Colin has a way, I think, of making stuff that you read it and it feels um, like obvious. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like all the setups are there and then the payoff is there at the end and it's like a satisfying thing, but that's like ridiculously hard to do. You know, it's so hard to make a story that sort of doesn't have a whole lot of, you know, there's like, there's no fat in his stories. There's no, like, everything sort of has a purpose and means something and, and it's, and it's clear what it means. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, they're simple, they're tight, they're really tight, I guess yeah. is how I describe them. Well, it, you can tell, like, he's got a lot of ideas he wants to work with, but he's not throwing them all out at once. Yeah, and he doesn't get lost in his ideas. Like, he, he keeps them focused on the characters and stuff. Like, I can't read, like, um, uh, shit, what's that dude's name? Grant Morrison? Yeah. I, I can, I, you know, two or three pages into any of his books, and I'm just sort of like, uh, I wish there was a character in here that had anything to say. But it's just all sort of like wild ideas, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh yeah. No, I I was really big into that stuff when I was like 20, 19. Yeah, I guess I, guess I kind of was too. Like, And Alan Moore is kind of the same way. Like, I was Alan Moore, I'm a lot Alan more for... When I was a kid. I'm a, lot more for, I'm a lot more forgiving of Alan Moore. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's a lot more execution with his stuff, and like, there's certain comics yeah. you can read where he's like, okay, no one, no one else could do that. That was like uh, Swamp Thing Twenty One. Which one's that one? That's like the beginning of his Swamp Thing run, uh, Anatomy okay. Lesson, and it's like, it kind of changed things a lot in comics at that point because you read it and you go, oh, he just said fuck you to all this like campy <laughs> writing style where they're just trying to like churn out product and just summed up a whole shitload of like terrible concepts and just came out on top and yeah um yeah, yeah man i have such like especially swamp thing like i man when i was a, a kid i found this um i still have it like bouncing around this um like Australian reprint of some Swamp Things. Um, they were printed in black and white, and they're drawn by Nestor Redondo. Oh, nice! And oh my God, like I still like. I probably look at that book once a week because it's so beautiful, and I loved that. Like, um, I love those stories of like, okay, here's Swamp Thing, and he's walking the earth and having adventures. And, mm-hmm. like, that's that's the setup. That's, like, all there is. And as soon as, like, Alan Moore is like, no, he's a god, it's sort of like, oh, my god. <laughs> chill, it, dude, chill. <laughs> it doesn't start out like that. It, it gets to that. Like, it's, yeah. he, he explores some things. I do like all that old 1970s Filipino stuff. Yeah, that stuff is, like, I feel like that was, like, those guys were doing like sort of classic illustration stuff in comics in a way that um like no one in America was really doing. No. 
It's beautiful stuff, man. Especially, like, Nestor Redondo. I don't know what it is about his stuff in particular, but his was, like, just so fluid, and and uh, his character, his figures were just so, uh, you know, appealing. And so many of them were also trying to do weird, different things and getting away with it. I can't remember the name of the one guy whose work I really love. Yeah, there's a lot of that sort of, like, yeah. 60s psychedelic stuff going on, too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Nestor Redondo in particular, I think he, well, I don't, I shouldn't talk too much about it because I just don't know. But um, my impression was that he didn't get super into the psychedelic stuff. Like he wasn't a very counterculture guy. No. Like I have a, a an original page of his that I got not too long ago that's from his, um, uh, his Bible comic that he did. Oh, weird. Yeah. What is it? Where in the Bible is it from? Um, I don't know. It's all, um, it's like got the lettering on the page, but it's all in, is it Tagalog? Yeah, Tagalog, Tagalog. Uh, it's a story about Jacob, though. That's okay. all I know. Weird. I don't know enough about the Bible even to know who the hell Jacob is. Well, he had a coat. Oh, the... Amazing Technicolor dream coat. Yeah. And then he went to Egypt and said, Hey, dog, you're running out of wheat. Gotta hold up. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and had all sorts of hot visions of things that are going to happen. I did a bunch of biblical <laughs> studies in school, in my university. It was interesting. Wow. Yeah, uh, I'm totally uh, taking away from talking about your comics now. Let's <laughs> talk about Jacob in the in the week. Um, I'm really interested in how um, Harold County came about. Then was that more kind of a collaborative project that you both came up with together? Um, that was like that was as I was wrapping up uh, Bad Blood. I called up my editor and I was like, "What am I going to do next?" And um, and he was like, pitch me something. And uh, so I called up, and I it's like one of those things, like I would really like to write, but um, I'm too much of a chicken. Mm -hmm. And so like I called up Colin and was like, hey, do you wanna do you wanna pitch something to Dark Horse? And he was like, yeah. So we um, we bounced around, like we both had you know a couple ideas that we were like, this would make a good comic. But uh, Harrow County was the one that that sort of won out, mm -hmm. and a lot of it had to do with um, that. Just so much of it took place in the woods, and I was like, I want to draw trees. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's do that one. Take you back to the coast. Yeah, yeah. Right, right when I was getting started on, it, like, man, that was one of my favorite things when we lived out on the coast was just going out. And we were like right on the edge of um, a state park. Oh, nice! That was r really undeveloped, so it was so much like you could just go out and walk and walk and walk and be in like this beautiful. Um, I don't know if you would consider it old growth forest, but you know, definitely hundred year old trees there. I'd say that's pretty old growth. Yeah, and coming from coming from Southern California, like. Like, <laughs> any kind of tree is like, whoa, that tree just grew there by itself? 
<laughs> it's not a palm tree. <laughs> yeah. Was there particular horror stuff that you feel kind of influences what you're doing with Harrow County? Um, I think the biggest thing, like, I don't, I don't think so as far as comic books go. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not. Well, no, Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing was an influence, I guess. Um, but, uh, like, Twin Peaks is sort of the thing I think about the most mm-hmm. with Harrow County. Like, as far as, um, you know, just as far as inspiration and stuff. I don't think Twin Peaks gets enough uh, credit for being a horror story. I wonder with the... Twin Peaks, there's, there's kind of a revisionism where folks kind of remember it differently than what it was. Like, they just think it's like a log lady and some weird characters. Yeah. I, you know, when I was... I was thinking about that recently, too, about how... Like, when I was a kid watching it, like, I was in high school when that was on TV, and that was, like, um, like the stuff that me and all my friends really latched onto was like the sort of the silly weirdness of it mm-hmm. but um then sort of as an adult and re-watching like especially watching the movie fire walk with me and seeing how it's like it's actually really a good um, a good like i don't know if it's good is the right word like a really strong story about childhood sexual abuse and how it like captures the sort of like feeling of insanity that that can sort of produce, and the the way people carry trauma with them and try to try to be normal, but it's just always simmering right underneath the surface. And and yeah, man, I fucking love Twin Peaks, man. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. The way you describe it. Now you said earlier about how. Um, you're not up to writing yet, but you're kind of trying it out with uh, with Harrow County a little bit in the backups. Yeah, yeah, I've written um, a bunch of. They're just one-page stories, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, they're making it's making me feel a lot more confident about it, though. Like, just <laughs> and a one-page story is actually pretty hard. It's actually, I think it's more difficult than doing like a full comic from what I've heard from folks because you really have yeah. to be like concise and have your ideas uh, and get it across quickly. Yeah, and there's, there's well, I don't, I, I think doing like a, a longer thing might actually, would probably be harder, but, um, but a one page is like harder than a two page, that's for sure, you know? <laughs> How do you but, see those backups kind of reflecting with the rest of the work in the book? Um, they are... Um, I sort of think of them like a chance to um, open up the world of the book a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, just because the this main story is so, you know, is, is pretty tight and stuff. But there's like... Like, one of the reasons why we named the book Harrow County was just so that it could have a more sort of general, like, it's about the whole county. We could do any kind of story we wanted within, mm-hmm. as long as it takes place in Harrow County, it'll be, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a doable story. 
So that's part of what the what the backup stories were. Um, you know, they're also sort of on the more cynical side. They're more they're to like help sell the monthly issues because they're not <laughs> they're not going to be collected in the trades. They're just in the um, in the monthlies. They're little features. Um, yeah. yeah, just try to get people. Give us your money. It's such a weird thing you have to do now to think about trade building up to the trades, but not neglecting that monthly thing. Yeah, yeah, no, and there's a lot of I don't know people poop on the on the system a lot, and it's definitely weird. I mean, because it's like the the retailer is the person who's actually buying the book. Yeah. You know, because they do, and I don't know how, I don't know how many people know this, but like most books, like if you sell your books to Barnes and Noble, like those are almost always returnable. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if they don't sell, then they just return it to the publisher and the publisher either sells them to somebody else or they pulp them or they do whatever. Mm -hmm. But comics are not like that where, um, when your comic shop buys their comics, they're buying them for good. Yeah. There's and that's why everyone gets all weird about, you know, you have to pre-order it because comic shops are scared to buy books unless they know that they're going to sell. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a different, the discounts I think are a lot different where comic stores get a higher discount than big bookstores. Oh, that may be. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, it's it's weird because it's like such a fucked up, strange system. But I swear that it's like, like everything about the direct market system that sucks is sort of the thing that has allowed comics to not shrink the way the rest of publishing has. You know, mm-hmm. especially periodical publishing. Yeah, well, that's disappeared in a lot of ways. Yeah, so, I don't know. I don't know. That's why I, I stick with the indie stuff either. more. <laughs> <laughs> I can't understand modern comics publishing. Um, so do you guys have like a long game plan with Harrow County? We do. We have, um, uh, yeah, we have a, you know, it's funny. It's like, speaking of just how the market works, it's like we had to, um, I, I think a lot of, like if you want to do, a series like this with through a publisher there's a lot of the same thing where it's like we had the first eight issues planned and um but we had to set it up so that um if nobody likes this comic we could end it you know and have it be kind of a satisfying ending but if people liked it then we had to keep it going <laughs> so it's like you have to set it up for both for both you know eventualities so we we had our initial plan for the first eight issues, and we're we're getting ready to wrap that up. But then we have you know our plan for like okay if it if it works we're going to go a lot further. So um, so we've been sort of doing a lot of work actually the last couple of weeks to try to finalize some of our our long term goals with this. Okay, that's gonna yeah. be tough working on a book and not knowing what your destination is in a way. Yeah, well you know you just set two destinations. You just say like. You know, like, oh, if we make it to Bakersfield, we'll stop there. But if we have enough gas, we'll go all the way to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you just make both plans. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. 
excited for where it's going. This is this is my favorite. Harrow County is my favorite thing I've ever worked on. I'm super into this book. I can tell by the art, like that's it rad. seems like a lot is going into it. Like you're not phoning it in at all. I, I'm glad that shows. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. I don't know. It's not. It's not been hard to work on, but it's like an intense thing. To, yeah. To I have to really like make sure that my focus is is strong all day every day. And so you say yeah. it takes about six weeks to get an issue done. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of you got the four issues and then another four issues and you kind of pace it out that way. Um. Or do you have fill in folks coming in? You have some fill-in folks coming in, actually. Like, so I just turned in issue eight. I'm not sure when that's going to come out. Um, I guess like a month from now, mm -hmm. which is whatever. What did, I don't even know what today is. But so um, like middle of December, the eighth issue will come out. And then, um, and then we got Carla Speed McNeil is going to do um, issue nine. She's oh, nice. drawing that. Yeah, man. Like I'm such a fan of Carla's. Like it, uh, it's so weird to like <laughs> have her as so your villain. Be like, yeah, like and be getting like layouts and to get to see her pencils and stuff, and it just makes you like. I'm just like moonwalking all over the house whenever some pages come in. That's awesome. So cool. And then, um, and then we have another fill-in issue. Um, then we're gonna do like a two-issue. Um, arc and then another fill-in issue and then and then we'll be, be back to four issue things for for as long as we can nice nice well i'm yeah. enjoying it and i hope folks get the chance to check it out um, me too it's pretty fun um as we said the first trade will be out the beginning of december december 2nd of harrow county uh i've been talking to tyler crook thank you tyler thank you for taking the time with me today be oh, here. Nice winter evening. Is it winter now? No, it's not winter yet. It's cold here. Obviously. Close enough. Yeah. All the trees are going bald. There we go. I gotta rake up my leaves when it's not raining. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, folks, check out Harrow County and uh, Petrograd and more. Thank you so much, Tyler. Thank you, man. Like a heart that's hung 
个。